Hello, I'm George Mason, host of Good God, conversations that matter about faith and public life. Can you imagine a married Catholic priest with four children? We'll be exploring that with Father Joshua Whitfield. Welcome to Good God. We're joined today by Father Joshua Whitfield, who is a Catholic priest and the pastoral administrator at St. Rita's Catholic Church here in Dallas, mm -hmm. Texas. He is also a frequent columnist for the Dallas Morning News. And Josh, it's a delight to welcome you to it's Good, good to God. See you. Thanks. Looking Thanks for it. joining us today. Thanks. I think uh, probably the most interesting thing uh, by way of introduction for most people would be to say that there is uh, more of a backstory to you being a Catholic priest than to most, in that you are a married Catholic priest with four children, well, all right. of this sanctioned by the Vatican. Yep. And so uh, tell us about your conversion from Anglicanism to uh, the Roman Catholic Church and, and, and maybe start with your call to ministry and how all of that came to be. Yeah, so I'm a married Catholic priest. That's uh, that's different, you know. Um, I started out as a uh, really in the Disciples of Christ Church. I was baptized in the Disciples okay. of Christ Church. Okay. Right. So Iowa, you were immersed. Texas. So I was immersed. So we're sort of uh, Baptist uh, exactly, kids originally. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I was uh -huh. uh, by saintly George Richardson, great minister who's gone to the Lord. Um, uh -huh. And, and so I was baptized at nine years old. Okay. Uh, shortly thereafter, I became an Episcopalian. Uh, and, and I loved uh, the, uh, the, the high ritual and the beauty of uh, the Episcopal Church I uh, grew up in. And it's really in that context that I, I uh, discovered a love of Jesus in the church. And, uh, you know, I was a church kid, you know, and uh, uh, late in my high school years, I, I, I the the priest I had actually said, I know you're going to be a priest, and, and, and he suggested the vocation, and, and that, um, that really was the beginning of the end, so to speak, uh, and, and I followed that, went to college, went to seminary in, in the UK, came back, served, um, you know, in, in finding myself in the midst of a, 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 a Episcopal Church, you know, embroiled in controversy, uh, which, right. you know, I mean, welcome to the club. Yes, every, uh, every tradition yeah, in America. Exactly. You know, right. that's the name of the game. Yes. But uh, so you retreat from that to go to, to Duke to, to study and think some more. And, and then I come back to a, a, a beautiful little Episcopal Church in Mansfield, Texas. And um, I, I loved it. I loved being a parish priest. The, the academic world is, is fun, but, but my heart's always been with, with people in a parish. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and so I pursued that and I loved it and I lived it. Uh, but but as, as I was going through, you know, as an Episcopalian, as, uh, on the high end of the Episcopalian church, uh, you know, it's, it's a very Catholic experience. It's a very Catholic way of thinking. And, right. and, so, and so for me, being so close to Catholic tradition, Catholic thought, Catholic theology, uh, I, you, you naturally ask the question, uh, why not Catholic? Yes. Right? Uh, so maybe we should pause to just help the viewers understand that when you right. say, uh, within the Episcopal Church, mm -hmm. You are on the Catholic side, right, you might say. Right. So there, there is the Catholic, the Episcopal Church sort of lives between 
the Catholic Church mm -hmm. and the Protestant tradition. Right, right. Technically Protestant because mm -hmm. it separated from Rome, mm -hmm. but retaining uh, much of Roman right. liturgy. And so. Th there's a great breadth of experience in the Episcopal Church and in yes. Anglicanism generally. Yes. You see it in the Church of England. Uh, it's much more pronounced in the Church of England where you, you can have Anglican churches that are as evangelical as anything you've yes. seen. And, and then you can have Anglican churches that are, that, that are as um, Catholic in their ritual right. uh, as anything you've ever seen. And, right. and so I was more on that high yes. Catholic end. I loved okay. the smells and the bells and smells the vestments. And bells. And it, it, was, it was really beautiful, and, and I still very much appreciate that. Um, and so, yeah, the, the Episcopal Church is, is, a, is a broad thing, mm -hmm. and, um, and, and, it, and, it, and it formed me beautiful. I'm, 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 I'm deeply grateful for the experience, and um, it, I, I say being a good Anglican made me a good Catholic, and mm -hmm. and, and and so for me it was about um, you know going back in history, going back uh, to to the roots, to the original you know ecclesia, the, the original church, and and um, and I had to overcome my, my, some of them good, some of them ill-founded Protestant um, suspicions of Roman Catholics. <laughs> right, you know? right. Uh, so it sounds to me, uh, curiously, I think when most people think about uh, Episcopal priests who convert to Rome, mm -hmm. there is, uh, at least for me, a kind of an assumption that that is more of a doctrinal decision that mm -hmm. the Episcopal Church maybe has drifted mm -hmm. toward a doctrinal uh, relativism and liberalism mm -hmm. and the like. Uh, but it's also, uh, what I, in listening to you, I hear you talking a little more about the connection to the ancient church, mm -hmm. about mm -hmm. the continuity of right. uh, the tradition and the sense of home that represents mm -hmm. for mm -hmm. you that's more than doctrinal but is ecclesial. Right, it, it, ecclesial is the key. Uh, it, for me, it, it was ecclesiology that um, that did it for me. Right. So, so, and and this is what converted the great John Henry Newman. Yes. Uh, he 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 dis, his view is it's what's my view as well. His view was that uh, the, the the Catholic Church, the Roman Catholic Church, you know, which is this Italian phenomenon. Uh, as he as he saw it, with all his English prejudice, uh, what was an organic human sociological fact that you could trace, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, and there's there's beautiful bits about it and squalid bits about it, but it is what it is, mm -hmm. and, and it's like a family, and, and so one, and you can't pick and choose your family, you can't divorce your family and get a new family, you can't create a family on paper, uh, and, and and the church is. The Catholic Church is that organic sociological fact, which is the body of Christ, mm -hmm. and and the Church of England, as he as he saw it, was an experiment on paper. Uh -huh. and, and and when when church becomes an idea rather than a sociological fact, then then you can argue about ideas and divide yourself over ideas repeatedly. Mm -hmm. and, and so when Newman saw that, he said it was like seeing a ghost. And, and, and for me, that was my experience. So, I, you know, I, I became a Roman Catholic because I came to believe in the 
the organic sociolo sociological fact of the ecclesia, which is centered in the Eucharist, centered in communion with the successor Peter, the Pope, and that took a lot of historical looking uh, and, and a lot of soul searching uh, to, to get over those quite um, natural uh, Protestant, uh, uh, you know, fears about uh, the Pope in Rome and things like that. And so for, for me, that, that's what that was. And, and, and the, the cultural wars that we all as Christians experience, mm -hmm. um, for me, uh, that, that really just opened the door to think about those deeper structural things. So when we talk about ecclesial or ecclesiastical, mm -hmm. this is language mm -hmm. uh, for uh, people who are not insiders yeah. to yeah, our right. trade. Uh, this is really a, uh, talking about the church itself, the mm -hmm. gathered church, the present physical mm -hmm. body of Christ as, as we call it, uh, and how it's organized mm -hmm. and how it relates both to uh, uh, the priesthood and the lay people sure, and sure. to God and the sacraments and the mm -hmm. like. Um, so uh, one of the stumbling blocks for Protestantism, and mm -hmm. you said you overcame this, and obviously in your decision, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. was this sense of uh, the succession of Peter mm -hmm. and the, the primacy of the Pope mm -hmm. in the church and all of that. So I think most Protestants are much more democratic, sure, sure, uh, sure. small d, uh, in terms of their view of the priesthood of all believers uh -huh, and uh -huh. the like. Uh, and, and so I, I think it would be helpful to uh, many of our Protestant uh, viewers and listeners to, to, to hear your sense of how uh, a, a, a structural priesthood that begins mm -hmm. with the Pope and, and, and moves down through uh, the, the, uh, the church hierarchy, uh, how you can interpret that less in terms of a kind of authoritative structure mm -hmm. of rule and mm -hmm. more as a pastoral shepherding uh, overseer sure, sure, kind sure. of approach to things because I think most Protestants only view it in terms of a kind of autocratic rule. Right, right. Well, you know, in the, in the, the papacy in the modern age, it's, it's you know, with, with Vatican I and infallibility and immediate yes. jurisdiction of the Pope and, mm -hmm. and things like that. And, you know, the, the Pope tweets and it goes around the world in a second. So, so it, it's easy to, to see the, the papacy in, in, in the modern experience of it and, and as a Protestant uh, have those fears, and, and I certainly did. For me, it, it was about looking at the concept of uh, the ministerial priesthood and, and the priesthood of all believers. Of course, Catholics always have believed in, in the, the priesthood of all believers because of faith and baptism, mm -hmm. uh, but, but we would point to uh, Matthias, for example, uh, replacing Judas. Mm -hmm. uh, for some reason, it was important to uh, replace Judas and to have the 12. Yes. Right? So there obviously within the body yes. was a distinction mm -hmm. uh, of the 12 uh, in, in relation to the 70, in relation to the thousands. Yes. Right? And, and, and then if you look at Peter, uh, you know, the, 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 there's a petrine, a, a, a trajectory of the ministry of Peter, you know, when, mm -hmm. when, when Jesus gave him the keys in, in Matthew 16, um, you know, he was speaking in the future tense, you know, it, it's, it's hard for me at least to, to imagine that Jesus would have given Peter this petrine ministry. Yes. Uh, 
which, by the way, you, you see him uh, uh, perform in Acts of the Apostles and things like that, um, only to take it away after the first generation. Yes. A especially when you read on and, and you read Second Peter, for example, mm -hmm. uh, who, you know, writing to churches in Asia, Christians in Asia. Right. You know, if, if that's Peter in Rome writing it, that's Peter in Rome writing it. Mm -hmm. If it's not Peter in Rome writing it, it's someone in Peter's name writing it. Yes. If, if you um, read uh, the letter of Clement, for example, mm -hmm. um, here, here is a Christian in Rome, a head of a church in some form or fashion, uh, writing to churches in Asia, I mean in Greece. Mm -hmm. um, why, right? Yes, right. And, so, and so there is there's obviously something petrine in the scripture mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and in uh, the early tradition. Right. And, and so, um, you know, I mean, Ignatius of Antioch talked about the Church of Rome presiding in love. Right. Uh, Irenaeus of Lyon in the early second century, early late early third century, um, uh, you know, talked about all the churches needing to agree with Rome because that's where Peter and Paul right. died. Right. And, and so the tradition is very suggestive. Right. And, and, and so, um, but, but then you've got the rest of our history and, and you have mm -hmm. some uh, remarkable, uh, some remarkable sin there. <laughs> when it, when it well, comes all right, let's, let's not just focus on yeah. the sin of the Catholic Church yeah. because if we go there, we're also going to have to go we'll to the, here for a the while, Protestant yeah. Church yeah, exactly. and to the, mm. all, all the separatist churches yeah. and the non uh, denominational mm -hmm. churches because sin is sin and humans are humans sure, and sure. that sort of thing. I think maybe uh, it would be helpful also to just say from my point of view mm -hmm. uh, as one whom the Catholic Church mm -hmm. has called uh, part of what's known as ecclesial communities. Right, sure, sure. That is we're, we're not really the church as okay. Baptists. Mm -hmm. uh, only the Roman Catholic Church is the church uh, but that's part of a sort of dogmatic understanding of what the nature of the church mm -hmm, is. Mm -hmm. it's, it's not intended to be a slight. Uh, it feels like it to a Protestant. Sure, or, of course it does, you know. yeah. um, but uh, we, we also interpret the very same traditions you've talked about, mm -hmm. and certainly you know this because you've been on our side mm -hmm, of this, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, the, the notion of giving the keys of the kingdom to mm -hmm. Peter, uh, being more about uh, granting them to the church right, sure. rather than to the individual, mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. and uh, what's more, that you know the the identity of the leadership of the church and the organization of it mirroring Roman culture mm -hmm. and Roman governance structure sure, sure. in the early days suggests uh, that the church sort of made up its organizational structure mm -hmm. in a functional way. Mm -hmm that was more sociological, sure, sure, but sure. which is um, also um, something that the church has the right or privilege of being able to change. restructure yeah, and sure, change sure. over time. Um, but what we find, I think, now is, and we're, we're coming up on a, a break uh, here, is I, I think we're seeing more of each other's point of view than we ever have. Well, we're so. 500 years from the Reformation, mm -hmm. right? And aren't we seeing a remarkable conversation taking place now between the churches that have separated and protested and all of that and the internal conversation in the Roman church and mm -hmm. how we're, we're finding common ground again. What are your thoughts there? I think you're absolutely right. I mean, for me, I mean, 
uh, we are both recipients of the gift of the ecumenical movement, which began right. in the late 19th century, right. which, which the Protestants began, the Catholics came late to the game, yeah. and, and, and it all happened at these worldwide conferences. Uh, our age, our, now, is the time for the ecumenical movement, I believe, to hit the pews, okay, right where you and I can sit down and talk. Exactly, uh, your people can talk to my people. Right, right, and, and we can have these sorts of conversations and and have fun with it. Right. So it, it's a new age. Well, let's pick that up after the break, mm -hmm. uh, and I want to talk more about your uh, identity as a priest as sure. well, and a married one at that. And yeah, father. yeah. So thanks so much. Thanks. Yeah. Okay. Christo Ray Dallas provides a Catholic college preparatory education to students of all faiths who live at or below the federal poverty level. Students work in 140 of Dallas Premier Businesses one day each week to earn 65% of the cost of their educations. 100% of Christo Ray Dallas students will be admitted to college, and 97% will be the first in their families to attend college. The students will be prepared to serve and to lead in college and in life. To find out more, visit ChristoRayDallas.org. We're back with Joshua Whitfield, and Joshua, we were talking about the movement uh, toward a kind of new conversation mm -hmm. uh, in uh, at least American religion, uh, and that is uh, one that includes the Catholic Church with Protestant churches in an mm -hmm. ecumenical way, and driving it down to the pew more. Mm -hmm. uh, the truth is, I think, in your experience and mine, many lay people have kind of preceded us in this. Oh, they, absolutely. Uh, they, they, they have a sense uh, that uh, there's not Catholic and then there's Christian. There mm -hmm. are different kinds of Christians mm -hmm. and uh, that's been uh, progress because uh, there was a time when people used to think of intermarriage as, mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. as, as Protestants marrying Catholics. Right, 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 yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Now we're in a far better time than, yeah. than even um, some of the old timers in my parish will uh, uh, uh -huh. uh, invoke um, horror stories of generations past, and right. um, I, I, I tell them, "Look, it's 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 a new Catholic Church. It's a new world. Yes, uh, let's um, let's get together." So we used the word ecclesial mm -hmm. earlier, and you have called yourself an ecclesial zoo exhibit. Indeed, I am. Uh, yeah. That is to say, uh, you're an anomaly, mm -hmm. uh, not. A unicorn, but you uh, you are a married priest mm -hmm. and have four children, you and Allie, uh, and I, I think many people maybe have heard that this is possible, but mm -hmm. uh, explain the process and how yeah. all that came to be. Well, really it's because of John Paul II. Mm -hmm. uh, if the Vatican II opening themselves up to the, the experience of uh, the ecumenical movement right. and, and what, what that could mean, also, uh, John Paul II in the early 80s established what he called the pastoral provision, which allows for married clergy from other traditions, uh, mostly Anglicanism, but, but mm -hmm. others as well, uh, if, they, if they become Catholic, uh, have an opportunity to discern with the church whether or not they're called to live out the ministerial priesthood in the Catholic Church. And, and so I did that, and um, the church discerned with me and, and, and let that happen. Uh, and, and so I'm a priest as a priest as a priest in, in Dallas. Mm -hmm. uh, the big difference is uh, I've got a very noisy, lovely house with four kids under eight years old and a, a saintly wife who takes care of all of us. 
Um, and so it's, it's, a, it's a different sort of experience, but it's a, it's a beautiful one, and, and I'm grateful to it. It's a witness to the church's commitment to um, Christian unity, yes. right? Mm -hmm. and, and, and allowing for ministry like mine to flourish, right. and, and so I'm, I'm grateful to it. So, um, given that, you uh, celebrate the fact that it's a witness to the mm -hmm. oneness of the church, but at the same time, you also see the value of a celibate priesthood. And, 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 and are not asking that that rule be changed, mm -hmm. uh, you being an exception to the rule, but sure, the rule sure. itself being changed. <clears throat> but if you celebrate the married priesthood, then, then clearly you don't have this sense that there is an, uh, a deep reality of absolutism about right, the priesthood sure, sure, celibacy. Sure, sure. Uh, so what is, the, what is your sense of the unique uh, witness of a celibate priesthood right, then that right. is important? Well, celibacy in, in Western Catholic thought has always been a matter of discipline. Yes. And so it, it's never been part of the, for, to speak uh, strangely, it's, it's never been part of the ontology of the priesthood. It's never, as you said, deeply yeah. rooted in the priesthood. It's been a matter of discipline uh -huh. for the sake of, you know, uh, the, the quote-unquote liberty of the church. Mm -hmm. uh, a, a celibate uh, under certain circumstances uh, is... Uh, uh, more free mm -hmm. uh, to, to make the sacrifices necessary for the freedom of the church. There is a, there is a, um, a, a symbolism uh, to, to celibacy, um, which is, which is valued, valuable in, in the church in, insofar as it um, uh, shows us that, the, that, that God relies not on human generation to, to, mm -hmm. to rebuild his church anew. And, and so, from from a discipline standpoint, and from a a, a sign value standpoint, I, I think if we uh, got rid of celibacy, we would miss it very suddenly. Okay. So, uh, saying that, uh, you, you there there is a kind of freedom, as you say, for ministry purposes mm -hmm. that someone who is single, which mm -hmm. is technically what celibacy means, mm -hmm, and mm -hmm, then mm -hmm. uh, re refrains from sexual activity, which is actually something else, but mm -hmm. nonetheless entails in that. Uh, it, <clears throat> this allows a person to focus on the church, mm -hmm. but there is a lot of tradition of the language of the priest representing Christ mm -hmm as a male figure mm -hmm, mm -hmm. who is married to the church mm -hmm, mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. and then therefore at the Eucharist that there's this <clears throat> sort of a male-female mm -hmm. imagery involved mm -hmm, in this. Mm -hmm, Once again, mm -hmm. it sounds to me like what you're saying is that mm -hmm. this still is a bit more uh, of a, a, a metaphor as opposed mm -hmm. to a, a deep reality that is inviolable. Right, sure. It's 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 an aesthetic. Okay. You know uh, ah. the, the 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 priesthood uh, as as father uh, of community, married to the church, creating children by means of the Eucharist. Um, th that applies to a married priest too, uh, but but in 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 a broader way. There's actually a theologian in Florence who's writing beautiful theology on on married priesthood. Uh, about how the married priesthood, his, his family is, is simply expanded mm -hmm. uh, to embrace the family of, of, of the parish, the family of the church. Mm -hmm. uh, 
which which is beautiful. But again, it's for me, it's an aesthetic. It's 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 a it's a it's a valuable metaphor. Um, Would that metaphor then uh, preclude the the possibility at some time in the future of female priests, women priests, because it's uh, still gender exclusive, mm -hmm, even mm -hmm. if it's an aesthetic? Yeah. Well, that, I mean, that's, we're getting into nuanced weeds here. The with with uh, celibacy as a matter of discipline that has with it um, a sign value and aesthetic. Um, that that is is something that is not ontological. Mm -hmm. uh, whether or not a priest is is a man or a woman, that is that that is at that ontological level, mm -hmm. uh, as the church thinks. Mm -hmm. And so, um, whether or not a priest is married uh, doesn't um, affect whether or not the priest is is a, is a man, right? right. And right. so, um, and with with female priests, the possibility of female priests, um, it, yeah, I mean that's that's um, the church doesn't doesn't score that as as <laughs> the same way that uh, uh, married priests do. Right. But the glorious thing about being a Catholic, this is different from being an Episcopalian, is that um, uh, I just do what I'm told in a certain sense, right? When I was an Episcopalian, it mattered what I thought on such things. Now it doesn't, and that's liberating. I think most P Americans would say that that is uh, inhibiting rather than liberating. Say mm -hmm. more about this sense of freedom that you have, that you uh, give over a certain authority about what you think mm -hmm. to the church? Well, the church, as we understand it, again, this is a, a, a metaphorical way of thinking about it. The church is mother, right? Mm -hmm. So the church is, there's several sort of metaphors at play at the same time. Church is body of Christ. Mm -hmm. The church is bride of Christ. The church is mother. Uh, and, and so therefore, if the church is mother, the way I'm a father to my kids, or my mother is a mother to our kids, um, there are certain um, there are certain moments in parenting where uh, what matters really is uh, obedience. Mm -hmm. Understanding may not be as important at that point in mm -hmm. time. Yes. My little daughter uh, reaches her hand out to touch the stove. Um, I'm going to uh, speak to her in clear language not to. Right. I don't really care whether or not she understands uh, um, mm -hmm. whether or not the stove's gonna burn her. You know? And so there are moments when the church acts like that as well. Right. Um, and so understanding everything is not as important as, as understanding that she is the church and that, and that we are called to, at some points, just obey, right? And yet, uh, there is uh, an extraordinary intellectual tradition mm -hmm. of the church of faith-seeking understanding mm -hmm. uh, that you participate in mm -hmm. as a scholar and sure, as sure. a priest and as a writer and all of that. So, mm -hmm. uh, so, so there's a, a, a kind of beginning point of recognition mm -hmm. of authority, but mm -hmm. it, doesn't, it doesn't mean you stop thinking. Oh, you stop pursuing, you stop asking questions. Mm -hmm. Yeah, let's take the women priest uh, experience, for example. Um, the church is quite clear that, that uh, she's not going to be open to women priests. John Paul II even said that it wasn't 
that wasn't even a discussion. I mean, he put mm -hmm. it in the mm -hmm. most firm terms possible. A and so my job is to say, okay, well, I get that, I accept that, why? Yes. Right? Uh -huh. um, and that takes you into, you know, a rather debated terrain of tradition and theology, um, the ontology of priesthood as a type of fatherhood, mm -hmm. um, uh, whereas, you know, the church would, would suggest that, that the priesthood of women is, is motherhood, you know, mm -hmm. just mm -hmm. as the, the um, just as the priest gives birth to the community in the Eucharist, the mother gives birth and biologically and things like that. Mm -hmm. And again, so, and there's all sorts of debate whether or not that's aesthetic or, or at what level is it ontological. Um, those are all, all arguments that we can continue to have and should have. Um, and yet I think what's happening too is the creativity of the church mm -hmm. in finding more ways for women to take leadership mm -hmm. at the same time, right. to participate in, um, in worship and mm -hmm. in mm -hmm. liturgical ways, uh, not the priesthood perhaps, mm -hmm. but nonetheless leadership in the church sure. and local congregations. No, I think that's absolutely right. And Pope Francis himself called for that. And, and I think we're a long ways from that. Uh, mm -hmm. um, uh, or, or we could do better, let's put it that way. Yeah. Uh, as far as local parish leadership, mm -hmm. uh, uh, women being in positions where they can truly make calls. Mm -hmm. um, the Diocese of Dallas, we've had a, a wonderful woman serve as chancellor for years and years and years. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, and so, you know, in, in practice in the Catholic world, I, I think there are some shining examples. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think there are also examples uh, where we need to grow, you know. But these are all conversations we can have uh, as we um, strive to be obedient to the church. You know? And the same is true in our traditions mm -hmm. as well. I think um, uh, whether we're talking about the role of women or the mm -hmm. responsibility of pastoral life and those who lead, right. there's a lot of room to grow. Uh, anyway, this is a beginning of a conversation yeah. and we're, we're going to have another episode to pursue some other things. Let's so thank you so much, Josh, for your oh, time today. I love it. Thank you, sir. Grateful. Good God is created by Dr. George Mason, produced and directed by Jim White. Guest coordination and social media by Upward Strategy Group. Here's grateful appreciation to Evolve Technology for location production facilities. Evolve Technology for home audio, video, and lighting design. Enjoy more, think less with Evolve. See their great work at EvolveDallas.com. Thanks to Wendy Crispin Caterer for guest parking accommodations. Good God, Conversations with George Mason is the podcast devoted to bringing you ideas about God and faith and the common good. All material copyright 2018 by Faith Commons. Cristo Rey Dallas provides a Catholic college preparatory education to students of all faiths who live at or below the federal poverty level. Students work in 140 of Dallas' premier businesses one day each week to earn 65% of the cost of their educations. 100% of Cristo Rey Dallas students will be admitted to college, and 97% will be the first in their families to attend college. The students will be prepared to serve and to lead in college and in life. To find out more, visit CristoRayDallas.org.